Welcome to episode six of the Parrot Nest. Um, we have Baby Asher as our guest podcaster today. <laughs> <laughs> he should hopefully stay quiet because he's sleeping. He just went to sleep, but we'll see. Yeah. If we just randomly stop after something screams, then you know. <laughs> you know that, yeah, that's yeah. why. It's just Asher. We have him here, and he's cute, and he's sleeping. Oh, and we named him Asher. Yeah. We didn't tell anybody. Did we tell the podcast that that's why we were keeping stuff secret? Did we say that on the podcast? I don't remember. I don't remember. I think we did because we said how annoyed people were with us. <laughs> yeah. So we were keeping the whole name secret. And so we did, you know, he was born Asher Daniel Parrot is his name. Mm-hmm. So we had him on November 15th. So that was 11 days ago. He was born at 10.55 at 6 pounds, 11 ounces. 11 ounces, that's right. And he's about the cutest thing ever because we're his parents and we have to believe that. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure he really is cute. Yeah. People have been saying he's cute, so. They could be lying, but we're pretty sure he's really cute. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I honestly don't really think anything happened because it's been a month since we recorded last, but I really honestly don't think anything did happen that is like worthy of talking about between here and there that I can think of. Yeah, I don't think so either. We had the baby showers and then... Which we talked about. Um, we did get everything moved into uh, the baby's room. And then my friends, Lexi and Sophia, are very, very sweet to us. And they um, knew that I wouldn't buy any decorations or decorate at all. (laughs) And so they did it for me, which is really, really sweet. And it looks adorable. And, um, but Asher doesn't, all we do in there is, I guess there is a chair, so I feed him in there. We feed him and in there change and change his diaper, his diaper, but he doesn't really sleep in his crib. Yeah. Yeah. So we figured the next podcast, not this podcast, but the next one is going to be the one where we kind of talk about how it's been to have a baby in our home for the first few weeks. Because by that point, we'll, we'll probably record in a week or so, um, a week or two, just to, you know, because we'll have more, obviously, baby in the home tips and things like that and kind of what we've been experiencing and learning from. So we'll do that next time. Um, We figured this podcast we would dedicate specifically to the, the story of birth and labor and all of that and the hospital experience. Yep. So where should we begin? First, we need to figure out, I think if we, what the rating do we want to do? PG, uh, no, G. I'm okay with whatever. I think the f- more R-rated, the, the funnier. <laughs> the more R-rated, the better. <laughs> yeah, but what if people listen to this with their kids in the car? <laughs> I don't know. Then maybe they learn that it might not be the best podcast to listen to with their kids in the car. <laughs> okay, so you've been warned. Yeah. We're going to tell the whole story. Which, for people that have children, they're not going to be surprised by anything. But. We might use words like... Yeah, yeah. 
Sorry. I have to kind of, you know, obscure how I'm saying it so that way no one can understand it. Yeah, we'll just, like, use weird words so your kids won't know what we're talking about. We know what that word is, probably. (laughs) Probably. Hopefully. Yeah. I have to kind of, you know, use a a different voice to mask what's coming out. (laughs) Okay. So... Tell us, start us where labor began, Leah. Um, well, it started, I started having, I thought they were just Braxton Hicks a couple days before the actual labor. And so it was on a, we had them on a Friday, Mm -hmm. Wednesday and into Thursday. I had been having a lot of Braxton Hicks and just getting worse and Enough that I every once in a while I'd time them to see if they were consistent or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Thursday, they were pretty, not consistent, but it was all day um, and pretty uncomfortable. And when I would sit down, is enough to like, wake me up. And when I would sit down or lay down, they'd get worse. And so I kind of just stayed busy all day. Um, and... Cole, anytime I try to skip this part, he always makes me go back to mm-hmm. it. So I'll just... It's very important. Just <laughs> I didn't think it was a big deal at the time. I went on a walk. I decided to go on a walk. But you did, you did, You wanted to go on the walk because you thought, you know, this... It wasn't like you were just like, I'm going to go on no, a walk because it's healthy. I was you were going thinking, on a walk to see if I could induce myself. Yeah, you were very tired of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Especially with the with the contractions that I was having and everything. I was pretty sick of it, especially since I couldn't like sit down or lay down. And, and it was starting to get uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. So I decided to go on a walk, and we live about two... Point three or something like that miles away from a grocery store Trader Joe's and the night a couple nights before that I had walked around the mall for an hour and a half like just straight walking trying to induce myself <laughs> alcohol was a, a event and I and at this point we're still you're still not 40 weeks I mean you're you're a 39 you're in the middle of your 39th week. like 39 and a half so at the point where it's definitely okay to have yeah. a baby. Um, and Thursday morning we had an appointment. And she said that I was... One. 30% effaced and one... I thought it was more than that. It was 70, I thought. It was 70%. Yeah, wasn't 70% effaced and one centimeter dilated. See, I knew it was either 70 or 30 because I either had 30% to go or it was 30%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was 70% effaced and one centimeter dilated, but that didn't seem, that wasn't that big of a deal because you can stay at any mm-hmm. mark for a week or two weeks. And so I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have the baby today or something like that. And so went to that appointment. It went really well. Uh, the, in that day, Thursday, I decided to go on a walk and I, Cole had a meeting until four. And so he, and we were going to go to the grocery store afterwards anyways. And so I said, well, I'll just meet you at the grocery store. I'm going to walk to the grocery store. And he's like, are you sure? That's a long ways. I was like, no, it's only like 2.3 miles. And 
it says that Google says I can walk it in 45 minutes. 45 minutes of walking isn't that long. And then <laughs> apparently it is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then I got like a mile into it and I texted Cole. I was like, I made a mistake. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> I didn't make it though. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to make it there. I thought I was going to find a bench somewhere. <laughs> but yeah. but I made it all the way there. And I picked her up there. And we went to the, in the grocery store and he drove me home. Mm-hmm. And then we went to our life group, which is just like our uh, Bible study at our church is what we call them. And we went to our life group that night, and I didn't know if I wanted to go. I wasn't really feeling good. Pretty uncomfortable still. And then we went home that night and went to bed. Mm-hmm. And at 2 o'clock, I, like, permanently got out of bed. Because, uh, like I said, it would the contractions and stuff would get worse when I would lay down and sit down. So... I kind of got up and I don't even know what I did all night. I literally don't remember. Just sat up and tried to relax? Yeah, I'd sit up and walk around and I don't remember what I did. Um, But then about six, I was was definitely having like contractions or I thought it was false labor. I thought I was in false labor because the pains weren't consistent. And that's what they say is that the difference between false labor and real labor It'll change when you change positions. Um, So when I would stand, for example, they would kind of go away. And they would also be consistent. And they weren't consistent in length or in distance apart. And so at about 6 in the morning, I decided to take a bath and see if that would make everything relax. And so I could go to sleep for a while. And I texted uh, my coworker, Jamie, and said, hey, I've been up all night with false labor. I'm not going to be in this morning. And she says, I don't think you're coming in. <laughs> or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And so I take the bath. And in the bath, they started to get consistent. I stood up and took a shower to rinse off and wash my hair. But yeah, you still con- texted me and said, I'm in the bath. I'm not in labor. Yeah, well, that was when I at like six when I had texted Jamie. Okay. And so they weren't consistent yet. And then they started to get consistent when I was in the bath. And then I stood up and took a real shower, still consistent, and got in to bed, laid down, and I had, like, a real contraction. Like, it hurt my back and everything. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And Cole sat up, and I was like, I think this one's real. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, at 7. And so from then on, it was consistent. So then we just went downstairs and watched TV, and we timed her contractions for, like, two hours or so. Yeah. I tried to eat something. My pain response is is not to be nauseous, and so I was really worried about that. That I'd to be start, nauseous, right? Yeah, it, and that I would start throwing up and that I wouldn't stop. I was really concerned about that, and so I was like, I need to eat something substantial, right now or else I'm not going to be able to. And I was really annoyed with myself because at like two in the morning, I thought I should get up and have a snack because what if I go into labor and I can't eat? Mm -hmm. And that is what happened. Did you wish you would have done that? Oh yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know I was actually in labor. Right. You were in denial still. Yeah. So Cole made me, I have these like uh, 90 second rice 
things, mm-hmm. rice and quinoa. And I was like, I'll, I really like those. And so I was like, I'll eat one of those. And that's something that's substantial. It'll be able to give me some energy throughout the day, even if I can't eat anything else the rest of the day. And I took like two bites of it and had to stop. <laughs> it, was, mm-hmm. it made me nauseous. So I ate like a granola bar or a half a granola bar. And then I threw up. <laughs> and then I threw up. <laughs> yeah. Projectile vomited into yeah. the toilet. Yeah. Thankfully, I made it to the toilet. But it was, I would stood up. I was in the kitchen. And I had to run to the toilet. And I've never let Cole see me throw up. I'm not someone that. I've never been sick enough to not be able to control that situation mm-hmm. and be like, like go in the bathroom, close the door, turn the fan on so no one can hear you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like had to run to the toilet and puke and hope that I made it. And Nicole had to like hold my hair and I didn't actually care at this I point. I didn't hold your hair. You did. You went, well, you did a little bit and then you went and got me a hair tie. Right. I actually honestly had to just be out of the room. Yeah. So <laughs> I made the it. The truth seem- comes out. He's like, "I'll go get you a hair tie." Which <laughs> really, I did think he's running away. <laughs> I was because I actually did gag outside the bathroom. Oh, I don't blame you. It was bad because the, the granola bar I had eaten was like a cocoa granola bar. So it was like, oh, <laughs> never mind. You don't need to know the details. <laughs> okay, we gotta keep moving on the story. Um, but that was the only time I threw up at home. Mm-hmm. And then we waited. You're supposed to wait to five one one. So the contractions are supposed to be five minutes apart. They're supposed to last about a minute, and they're it's supposed to be for one hour. So, five one one. And so we waited an hour. At that point, it was like, was it ten thirty or eleven thirty? No, it was about ten. Yeah. Well, ten thirty. It was when we called them because I said I could be there about. No, you called him at 10 because you said 10.45, and I was like, man, that's a long time, and we ended up being late, so. Mm-hmm. So, we called and him so, at 10. Yeah, called him at 10, got everything, and they told us to just come in to the women's clinic, and so the clinic that we went through is associated, like, right across the street, works directly with a hospital, and so we went through the midwife program, the midwife's intent are supposed to be the ones that deliver your baby in the hospital. And so you have all the benefits of a hospital, but a midwife is the one that uh, delivers you. And so we went to over to the midwives art and she checked me the lady, same midwife that had checked me the day before uh, was there that day. And she checked me again. She's, I was 90% effaced and, I don't remember. Three and a half centimeters. Yeah, three and a half centimeters dilated. And I was, and she's like, you're definitely in labor, especially since I checked you yesterday and how big of a difference you are. And so they made me, they asked me if I wanted to go home or stay here. You're still quite a ways off. And I said, well, I was pretty comfortable at home. I'd rather just go home. And so she's like, okay, I want to check you and the baby's heart or progress before I do that and so what they do they attach these belts to your belly one checks the baby's heart rate one checks your contractions Uh, when you have a contraction the baby's heart rate is supposed to go up a little bit Um, and so they did that for like 20 minutes 30 minutes and his the baby's heart rate wasn't 
reacting exactly like they wanted it to. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything she was concerned about, but wasn't enough that she wanted me to go home. And so we went, rolled over right to the hospital. They checked us in. Uh, it took a long time to get checked in. They asked you a million questions about your health, your parents' health, your... Yeah, just a lot of questions. You receive blood or not receive blood. I don't know. Like, all the questions. Yeah. Um, so by the time we got checked in, it was like another hour and a half. Yeah. It was probably like one by the time we got checked in. Yeah, fully checked in. Yeah, mm-hmm. that long. Or admitted or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we met the doctor who just so happens that... There were a few days in the next two months that the, there was a doctor on call at the hospital instead of one of the midwives, and we landed on a day that that there was no midwife. There was no midwife, um, and so it was a doctor I'd never met. Yeah. Uh, we but we ended know. up liking her. Yeah. I don't remember her name. Starts with a P. They probably don't need to know the doctor's name. That's fine. But. She was really cool, and she was very, um, fairly dry, and matter-of-fact, and I really enjoyed that about her. Uh-huh. And then we ordered lunch. Yeah. You were getting really, really hungry. Yeah, we were really hungry, and because it was like one or two, and I just hadn't eaten that day, and I don't know if Cole's eaten either. So they told mm-hmm. us we could order food, and we did. And uh, by the time food got there, it I was, was walking really around the the room and everything, um, and my water broke, and that was <laughs> yeah. a surprise. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people, it seems like they have to have their water broken, uh-huh. but mine just broke at the end of a contraction, and that was crazy. While she was standing up. While I was standing up, thankfully, I had already put on the hospital size size diaper pads (laughs) that they provided. And so I was just, like, shocked. I thought that I peed my pants. It was the end of of a contraction, and then it's, like, (laughs) it just, like, explodes. No, it doesn't explode. I was going to say, is that what peeing is like? No. But I, I mean, it's never, it's not like a sensation I've ever felt before. Then why'd you think you peed your pants? Because it's just liquid running out of my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only sensation that you can associate it with. So. Yeah, but I thought you would have like connected the dots and been like, oh, my water broke. Not like, oh my gosh, I just. Well, that was like just 0.5 seconds because it was enough that I could look at you. Like, you saw my face when it happened. Yeah, your eyes got all big. And then I said, my water just broke. And yeah. So it was like a split second that I was like, oh, my gosh, I peed my pants and now my water broke. And, yeah. But mm-hmm. that was weird. And then tried to eat again. Uh, I got ch- fajitas because I thought just chicken, peppers, tortilla, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Um, threw that up. With a contraction at some point. That was horrible. You threw up into a toilet as well as you ended up also throwing up into a Oh, I did throw up in the toilet at some point too. Mm -hmm. After I threw up after eating. um, Well, contractions got worse after. Yeah, they progressed pretty quick after that. Mm -hmm. And so after 
that I threw up, and then I ate, and I threw up again, and then they gave me some of the what anti-nausea medicine. Oh, because you were hooked up onto an IV. That's important. Yeah, so I had strip B, B which apparently is very common um, to have that. And if you do have that, then you have to get a uh, some penicillin. An antibiotic hooked yeah. up while you're in labor. They want to do it for two doses, four hours apart. And so I was already hooked up to an IV. I think they do that anyways. I'm not for sure. But I think no matter what, they hook you up to an IV for fluids and stuff like that. No, they said they don't always. But they will, if especially if you're strep B. But that was, remember, that was one of the things we were kind of upset about. Because they said that you didn't have to. But it ended up being a good thing that you were hooked up because of the strep B thing, because they did end up pushing a bunch of other meds um, through there, you know, like your anti-nausea and then like your and um, then they did, sugar water. They did give me fluids because I had not eaten and because I had couldn't hold anything down. Couldn't hold anything down. And so they did give me fluids, um, hoping that it would give me some energy. And then I didn't to throw up after that so that was definitely a big concern before having him or going into labor I was worried that if I threw up once I was just going to be constant after that that I wouldn't even that with every contraction I would be doing that and so I was really glad that I know maybe three times seems like a lot to some people but I was really Mm -hmm. happy with that so then labor started to progress fairly quick and Leah tried to get in the bath I did I got in the bath Um, I think it helped me relax a little bit, but the contractions did not get better with it. They were continuing to get worse, obviously, as labor does. Um, And it was not helping. I don't know how long I was in there. Maybe a half an hour. Oh, my gosh. It was longer than a half an hour. Was I really? Yeah. Leah loses track of, I think, time and space during this whole process. Yeah, I really did. I know. It was probably an hour and a half. Uh Nuh-uh. Yes. It was a long time. It was a long time you were in that bath. Huh. Anyways. Yeah. What did you do all day? I sat with you. <laughs> yeah, that was, I know you were there all day, but I thought it was like 30 minutes. And so no. you just sat there in silence. Yeah. That's so sweet. I looked at my phone a lot. Did you? And texted. Well, actually, I wasn't texting anybody at that point. <laughs> Yeah, but I looked at my phone a lot and said, like, good job, and this one's almost over, and things like that. Yeah. Because Leah was hooked up to a machine that would tell us, you know, her her contractions, so I could see how quickly they were coming in and out, and, like, when they were at the peak of that contraction, it was actually pretty weird. That machine would tell us when we were at the peak of it, and then so I could tell Leah, like, she's almost over, it's, it's on its way out, which I don't know if that was helpful or not, but... It's almost done and blah, blah, blah. Just saying encouraging words, but. Yeah. Um, It's the same machine that they hooked us up to at the women's clinic before they brought us over. Mm -hmm. When you first get to the hospital, it's like the first thing they do. They hook you up to a monitor that tells you if you're, what your heart rate is, what the baby's heart rate is, and what your contractions are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So they can track everything. So anyways, we got out of the tub. The doctor came in and checked me, I think. At that point, when I got out of the tub, I was starting to contemplate um, drugs. 
mm-hmm. and an epidural and trying to figure out what I wanted to do because it seemed um, like I wasn't going to make it and, without an epidural. And so I and was maybe it's important ready. to like say what the goal was because when we got in there, they asked us what your goal was with birth. And I didn't want, I definitely didn't want a C-section like everybody. Um, definitely. And I was not wanting to do an epidural, but at some point I knew that I would be, I might be open to an epidural right? because I wasn't completely against it. And so, uh, but I wanted to try and do it without just because any kind of procedure you do, you open up the door to more complications and, um, yeah. And I just wanted to try and do it. As natural as possible. As naturally as possible. And so I got out of the tub and we started talking about those options. And I asked to be checked again to see what the progress was, to see if if I should even... Because that would depend. If I was still only, like, if I only gone from, like, three and a half from when I got there to four, I was definitely getting an epidural. Yeah. And, but... I don't remember even what I had been. I think they said like five and a half to six. Mm-hmm. So, and they say that usually you progress at this point about a centimeter every hour. And so I was like, well, I can do that another four, four hours. hours. I can do that. Um, and so I asked for something to take the edge off because I was just so exhausted. So exhausted. I couldn't, I was just so tired. No, we I didn't tried other think stuff I first. I was going to be able to do it. And so I just needed something to like kind of numb a little bit. And so we tried the NOS uh, nitrous oxide. The nitrous oxide and that was not helpful at all. In fact, my nurse told me that usually like only 10% of people find it helpful at all. And so not glad that we I mean, it didn't help at all for me. I'm sure mm-hmm. it does for some people, um, but I, I didn't think it was helpful. And so we switched to fentanyl and that pretty much, I don't know if it numbs anything. It just knocks you out a little bit. Like I, my contractions were probably two minutes apart and I was sleeping. Three minutes. Yeah. Three minutes. And I was sleeping in between contractions mm-hmm. and they lasted, the doses only last like 30 minutes in 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 between doses so i took two doses um and but not right next to each other either i don't know it felt like it no you took one at six she took a dose of fentanyl at six and that knocked her out she was kind of sleepy and everything and you did that you that probably was affecting was pretty effective for 30 to 45 minutes so until about 6 45 and then you were kind of right back to where you were before and you toughed it out again for like another hour and a half until about 8. And at 8 p.m., you they gave you another dose of fentanyl. Okay. And then that lasted again until about 8.45. Okay. So there you go. And, um, and it just knocked me out, really. I didn't. I still had the contractions. The contractions still sucked. But it was able, I was able to get a little bit of rest. But I didn't like the feeling of it. Like you're just completely, ex- like 
I was exhausted, but it was, this is just like tight, like sleepy. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't like that. Um, and then, then things changed. I, I did try a different, yeah, she checked me again. She said I was, when I told him I was starting to feel the urge to push, she checked me. And once I, that happened, she said I was nine and a half centimeters. That I, I was think just, just nine. Nine centimeters. And so I was just right there. And she says, you're just hung up on one side, whatever that means. The The cervix was a little thicker on one side because the baby's head was kind of like leaning, pushing through one side. So it was like the, the cervix was like, there was like a lip on it that was kind of over the top of his head, a little thicker. And so she wanted you to like stretch that part out a little more. And so one way of doing that is laboring on your side, which I wasn't willing to do because it, it really, it's still really hurt way more for me to be laying completely down or for me to be on my side. If I was on my side, then contractions were way worse. And so I'd rather stand up. And so I stood up um, and she had me start doing squats with one leg up on like a bench that's like a foot tall, maybe foot and a half. That was really hard because mm-hmm. anybody that's been in labor knows that it's the worst contractions are when you're feeling the urge to push and you're not able to push. And so that was really hard. Um, and those were the only times that you made any like audible noise because of pain. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't a vocal yeah. laborer. Right. The nurses thought it was hilarious. Not hilarious. Say, they were not just hilarious. like, <laughs> they're like, she goes into like a meditative state. <laughs> yeah. But we can talk about that at the end. Mm-hmm. And then, and so after doing that a few times, I don't know how long I probably did that. Not very long, 10 minutes. Yeah, it didn't seem like very long. They let me get into bed and start pushing. Mm-hmm. which felt better. So if you haven't had a baby, know that, that it, I, at least for me and the couple people that I've talked to about it, it does feel better once you're allowed to push. That's not the hard part. It's the hard part getting to that point. Once you can start pushing, it's the easy part. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I started pushing. She coached me through the whole thing. Um, and which is what your doctor's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But then after pushing a little bit, she, I kept my eyes closed. For one, I think I was just tired. And for two, I was so focused on doing what I was trying to do and um, that I kept my eyes closed. And uh, so at some point, a couple contractions, a few, like three contractions of pushing and she says, Leah, I need to talk to you. And so I open my eyes and she says, the baby is not re- reacting well to these contractions. We need to get him out within two, three contractions. Mm-hmm. And Because his I, heart rate was dipping. Yeah, and which his heart rate was dipping, which Cole could see. Because it was on. that was what the monitor was showing us. Yeah. So tell him about that. So the baby, the monitor was on Leah's tummy and that told us when her contractions were happening, but it also measured the baby's, the baby's heart rate. So the whole time, ever since the time when we were in the clinic, you know, when they told us the baby's, you know, it's not doing exactly what he wants. I was like immediately having anxiety because then I, the whole day for the whole, whatever that was 
oh, 10, 11 hours, I just stared at that monitor every time Lee was having a contraction looking for his heart rate to go up. And it didn't usually, it just stayed constant. But in this instant, when Lee was actually pushing, his heart rate was dipping really far down. So the baby's normal heart rate in the, in the womb is like between 120 and 140 or 120 and 160, I think is where it's like 140 is like the normal. Right. So I think it's 120 and 160. Cause there was like a, there was like a 40 BPM range in there. That was good. So he's supposed to be in there and he was roughly 140, 150 the whole day. But then when she started having these, she really pushing his heart rate dipped all the way down to like in the eighties. And that's when the doctor said, you know, Leah, we have to get this baby out. And yeah. so I was thinking, Oh my gosh, here we go. Leah's going to end up having some surgery where this baby's going to die. And, and I opened my eyes and this didn't process till later, but there were a lot more people in the room mm-hmm. and like probably four more people. Cause I had, a nurse, my doctor, and a extra, nurse. Uh, an extra nurse, but she was like a being trained. She was mm. a student, okay. um, and so we just had like three people in the room the whole time. And I don't know if it's normal for like the labor to start happening and more people come in the room. But I opened my eyes and there were a bunch more people in the room, and I realized later that they were ready to do a C section. That's mm-hmm. why they were all running around. It's because that they were like all the rest of the people were getting ready to do a C-section. Well, I think they were going to either move you to this because I don't know if they would have had one in there, but they were getting ready to like do a bunch of different stuff and potentially move you to a room to have a C-section. Or maybe yeah. they were turning that room into an operating room. I don't know. I don't know. I'm maybe that wasn't an operating room. I think sometimes they do. I don't know. Yeah, but I heard them call all the nurses on like the radio, which that was scary because after she told you that, she like, one of the nurses started talking on the radio and all these nurses ran in. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what my nightmare is. Yeah. And so, um, I, the doctor tells me we need to do this now. And I said, okay. And tried <laughs> to get him out in three contractions, but thank God he did not, that did not need to happen. He, after she told me that, um, he must've moved, well, you got him. Something happened. He shifted, uh, and whatever happened when he shifted made it better. I don't know if his umbilical cord was was pinched or whatever happened that was causing it to dip um, changed, and he started to react perfectly. Mm-hmm. His heart rate started to do exactly what they would want it to do, um, and so, like I said, thank God for that. We avoided any complications. So within about three contractions, roughly the same amount she told you. I mean, you right. were maybe one or two more, but. But I also didn't know. I think I don't remember at any point knowing that it was okay. Yeah. Um, and so I, the whole time, I mean, everybody should try to get it over with as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. But that's what I was trying to do. And so with, then he was born. And I was able to like stand next to Leah the whole time. I had, when all the nurses came in, I kind of got pushed back to the person holding Leah's oxygen because they gave her oxygen. So I was the one holding her mask. But I always told myself I wasn't going to, I did not want to look, you know, and see what was going on down there. But I mean, you know, once you're standing right there, it's there's like maybe three feet 
you know, between where I'm standing and where it is. And so unless I had a wall there, that would have been the only thing able to help keep my eyes away from it. (laughs) And it was like, you know, you know, those, you know, it's like when there's a car wreck, you just kind of want to (laughs) watch and see what's going on. So that's what I ended up doing. And it was just kind of watching there and I could see his, like the whole crowning and his head there and them saying like, you're almost there, you're almost there. And then the final pushes and, and then I was able to like watch him be born, which was cool, but also very gross. <laughs> so Yeah, they asked me, they're like, oh, there's this head. Do you want to feel it? And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say anything else. I was like, no, I was, and I was really focused on what I was trying to do too, but I was like, mm, I'd well, rather just, you know, see the real thing. Yeah. And not to be really like over the top gross, but. Like, it's not like when the baby comes out, it's just the baby coming out. Like, there's... All the rest of the fluid. Fluid. And everything. And some, like, blood. blood. And that's why I found out that they big, they put that big plastic sheet there. And the little catch <laughs> at the bottom is because everything comes out. And it was not pretty. But he came out and he looked, like, purple. You know, because he's like so, he's been in there and he's like low oxygen. I mean, they acted like it was pretty normal, but. And then they put him on you and did the whole skin to skin thing yeah. for Leah. And- well, once the baby's head comes out, it's only like one more push. And so, like, you push his head out, then you push his body out, and he's up on your stomach, and you're just like, I was just like, I was so surprised that it was like already done. And, uh, and then I look down and he's there and he's purple and has a bunch of dark hair Mm -hmm. and I was so surprised (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did not think our baby would be born with any hair let alone dark hair well you're saying dark but I mean it's not well when it's all wet it looks black well yeah and so when he was born it looked black and he was all purple and I was like what in the world has happened (laughs) (laughs) I was so confused that I could produce this human (laughs) Because no. Cole and I both were born. Well, no. Now I know that Cole was born with darker hair. But by the time he was two or one, he had platinum blonde hair like I did. So mm-hmm. I didn't expect to have a baby with hair or with dark hair. But they put him on you and he kind of started coughing. and But he didn't scream. Which they wanted him to scream. And I was worried because he was all purple and I didn't know if how normal that was. And so I didn't think he had. he was getting oxygen. But in the interest of time, they took him over. I'll just tell this quickly. And they just they took him over to the warmer, and he started doing what they wanted him to do, and that was great. And then you know I was able to. I kind of was stressed out about Leah and him because my whole worst fear in birth is that Leah's gonna die, and so I Leah wanted me to go over over to the warmer with Asher when he got took over there. So I did the whole time. I'm kind of looking back at Leah, and then once Asher starts breathing and everything, I was kind of like, all right, and I went back to Leah and. By that time, it was a lot more blood because there's just, you know, blood that comes out. Plus, Leah gave birth to a placenta as well. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and there was this placenta sitting up on this counter that was... Which, what do you keep calling it? <laughs> I keep saying it looked like flank steak. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and then I walked over and there's this really big, gross-looking flank steak. Yeah, all <laughs> bloody on the counter. <laughs> Gross. So we ate it. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, then we put him back on Leah and they stayed there for a little bit and we were able to kind of sit there and bond with Asher for like, I don't know, an hour or two, maybe an hour and a half. And he ate. Yeah, and he was able to like breastfeed, which is It's like one of the, there's like two instincts babies are born with. One is that they like to be held because they know they're safe if something's holding them. And the two is that they know, for some reason, they know that they can get food from... Mm Mm-hmm their parent which is crazy yeah. and so it just like automatically starts looking for your boob and it's like it's crazy to me yeah that they know to do that but we were then we're moved into another unit and asher didn't yeah. sleep at all that night at all he wanted to eat the whole entire night and i was thinking to myself i was like man it's been four or five hours with this child and i'm already like Exhaust. Needing a break, <laughs> kind yeah. of, but not really. Just we've been up all day. I mean, laboring and the stress of it, especially for Cole. Like I, like I said, I was kind of just focused on what I was trying to do, but Cole was completely present for all of it and standing for one next to me all day, and just the emotional mm-hmm. stress of it was pretty taxing. I think. I think it was pretty weird. The whole day I was pretty emotional, which is like, I'm not usually that emotional of a person, but I thought it was pretty weird because the whole day I was like this really, what's that word? Like it starts with an S. Stoics? No, it's like a emotional word. Like, not sensitive, whatever. Um, but I was just sentimental. Sentimental. Yeah. So we're like, I'd be sitting next to Leah and I would just think like, oh man, she's being so strong. <laughs> like that. I don't know why. I would have like a thought like that. And it would like... It was like a, it was like an emotional thought, like one that brought you know, like when you're when you're kind of like, and you feel like you're about you could make yourself cry by thinking about a certain yeah. thought. That's like what was happening every single time. I thought, oh my gosh, look how strong Lee is being, or look how tough she is. It like made me emotional. It was I've never had that happen about anything else in my life. I've never thought like I'm about to get married and she's so amazing. Like I never have ever thought like this, but I was just emotional every time I thought about how strong you were being. And just like a high stress, high anxiety, high adrenaline situation. Yeah. Right. So when it was time to go to sleep, well, cause I also was going to say that when Leah was, was going through those last bits of labor and she had her leg up on the stool and she'd crouch and do squats and then have a contraction. It was the only time where her, like her voice would kind of like, she would like, a, you know, a pain sound would, I'm not even going to try to like make the sound, but her, a pain sound would like escape her. Um, and that was the only time she would make any noise. And just those two times that she made that noise, like I had to, at some point, cause I'm looking at her and she has her eyes closed and she makes his face. It's like super sad and there's nothing I can do to help her. And I'm concerned, obviously, like, is this normal? And is she doing okay? And and I remember having to like turn to the side and just kind of like look at the cabinets. Cause I was like, if I look at Leah, I'm just going to like break down and start crying in this room when I'm supposed to be being this like rock, you know, I'm supposed to be being this like point of, I don't know, strength for Leah that she can like lean into and, and not, you know, but I figured if I got emotional, then maybe she would get emotional or, or start thinking that she's got to try to figure out another person to lean into or something. I don't know. So then I think when it hit me the most was when we were actually trying to go to sleep, you know, 
I remember laying down on that little couch bed that I had and there was, you know, I'm laying there and my legs are shaky because of just, I think adrenaline and just being tired probably, but you know, I, I run a lot, so I don't think it was that my legs were just exhausted, you know, but it was like, there was so much adrenaline, my legs were shaky. And I just remember like tears start coming out of my like face and going down my face and onto my pillow. And I was not like crying, like, you know, like, (laughs) like crying, but like, it was just tears were coming down. And I think it was like me at that moment, it was like allowing myself to have an emotional reaction to everything that was happening that day. And it wasn't like I was sad at the time. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, am I going to lose Lee? Blah, 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 and all this stuff like that. It was just all and like. exhaustion, I think, probably plays a role in it too. Mm-hmm. It was like the physical reaction to all of that emotion was actually happening at that moment. And that's when it was all, all the, you know, the, the tears start coming. And I mean, it was days though after that, that I couldn't even think or talk about that. Yeah. without getting emotional. Like I would almost cry talking to Leah about it. So I, it was, it was honestly bizarre. Like I'd never been that emotional of a person and to be able to not even be able to talk about that to Leah, I would like hint at it and be like, I can't talk about this right now. Yeah. It, it was like weird. Cause it would make me, and it probably was a little bit of like happiness about having Asher, but I, I thought honestly that I might cry because of him, but I didn't, I didn't cry because I was so happy to see him. I was like, it was like that weird fear thing everything was different than what I kind of expected but I was also really happy that we got through it and everything was healthy and Asher was healthy and yeah yeah it was crazy and then we were in the hospital for two days um we got out we like I said he was born Friday night at like ten fifty-five. we got out Sunday morning um they want him to stay for 25 hours, like just past 24 hours. So if we had left at 25 hours, it would have been midnight mm-hmm. and that wasn't happening. So, yeah, but he did good after that. We didn't have any issues at all. We did all his tests and everything. They drop blood and give him a couple shots and, and, were there any other tips that you were would give to someone who hasn't had birth at the hospital yet? Didn't you say there was something on the list that was like, people said not to bring this to the hospital, but you actually found it to be really helpful? Swaddles or wasn't it something like that? Let me think for a second. One thing with labor I was surprised at is that the for me at least I shook uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. A few times. It wasn't constantly, but it happened a few times. And that was really annoying. Uh, it's, yeah, it's like a, an extreme cold kind of shake, except you're not cold at all. It's just the hormones. It's just like the insane surge of hormones that your body is having that causes your body to like, I was literally vibrating mm-hmm. like before and after, like right after I, I delivered him, I was shaking so bad. He was, he was like laying on my chest vibrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's annoying. That's uncomfortable. But it doesn't hurt anything. Was there ever then, a time that you were f- afraid in the hospital? Uh, no. I was – it's a constant – if you're trying to not get an epidur- epidural, I was constantly um, – 
contemplating getting it. Mm-hmm. But like we talked a little bit before, my response to the pain wasn't a vocal. I'm not. In fact, before I had him, I told uh, my friend Jamie, I was like, I don't see myself. I've never once ever responded to pain vocally. Like I've never screamed or cried or carried on. And so I don't, under, I don't see myself. I said that I told her, I was like, that'll be crazy to respond that way. Cause that's like the, how you always hear people responding. I don't know if that's real or not, but if everybody does that, mm-hmm. but my response wasn't that. And it helped me way more. I figured out really early that if I could just focus on the contraction and what was like happening in my body, like the anatomy of it, that it helped me a lot because it's my mind being able to focus on what is actually happening instead of your brain just processing pain, 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 pain. It's I could think about, well, the top of my uterus is contracting and it's pushing it down and that's why it hurts at this spot and this is what should be happening. And I kind of just focus on that the waves of that, like I take each breath and each breath I would focus on as if it was pushing down, which if you know the anatomy, then you know what I'm talking about, but that might sound really confusing. Um, But that was super helpful for me. Um, And I know apparently based off of the nurses and the doctor's response, apparently that's not normal at all, but that was really helpful. I found that if I could focus on that instead of just focusing on the pain, then that was something that helped things go way more quickly. And that's why I was so out of it. That's why I so, I had no clue what, I can't remember very well what happened that day. And I think it was because I was just so in my own head. Mm-hmm. We did watch the Hallmark channel. We watched two movies, probably. Yeah, kind of. Not really, but kind of. It was on the whole time. And the nurse was like, you watch Hallmark channel? And I was like, no, not at all. But you know what's going to happen in the end. <laughs> and so I don't have to focus on it too much. Mm-hmm. You know, that girl comes into town being negative about Christmas and random man who's had some hardship in his life shows her the meaning of Christmas and <laughs> they fall in love and she stays in the small town and saving Christmas for everyone. Mm-hmm. The end. Was there anything else about the hospital stay that? Oh, I didn't bring clothes. I didn't need to bring clothes. I brought all these clothes and everything. I brought a swimsuit. Because in the videos you watch when you get in the bath, that's what you do. Leah was like, no, I'm just showing everyone everything. I don't care. And and you don't put on a swimsuit. That's like, you already, yeah, nobody cares at all. So, you'll see. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like zero modesty. And then I even staying at the hospital, it's so convenient to feed him and to just unbutton that one button and, and be able to feed him rather than changing your clothes and honestly if you do deliver vaginally it's pretty uncomfortable down there and swollen and there's probably stitches and uh pants don't sound good Mm -hmm. they don't sound comfortable so leah took all the diapers home i took all the they give you these mesh underwear that are just incredible and soft (laughs) and they don't push on your tummy at all and it was just really comfortable Um, something I was surprised at afterwards is the contractions continue. They don't, not real contractions, but 
I noticed that I would be sitting there and my heart would start going up and it made me really nervous the first couple times it happened because I thought I was something bad was happening. I thought about telling the nurse and then I realized that it was a contraction that your body is still cleaning out your uterus and and you're going to continue to have some contractions as your uterus is shrinking down. Yeah. Uh, that's uncomfortable. I think for me, the only thing I would also encourage people in is to not expect, well, I guess this is, might not be true for everyone. Some nurse, our hospital did not have a nursery. So the hospital was not a place of rest. So be prepared to be up all the time. And the hospital staff care, but they don't necessarily care about that because they have their, you know, they got to do their job. And Mm -hmm. so there's someone in there all the time, whether they're coming in there to check Leah's vitals or Asher's vitals or, you know, do his labs or, you know, pediatrician or the whatever, you know, it may be someone is always going in there to check on you to do something. So, and also to, to utilize the support that is there. Like Leah and I were like, you know, we, we made sure to wait and stay to make sure we saw a, the lactation specialist who talks about breastfeeding just because, you know, when you're in the hospital, you might as well use the service that they provide and get the tips, Yeah. you know, because you're about to go home to where it's just you right. and your partner and, and yeah, don't be nothing. Proud. Yeah. I mean, like, just the internet. Seek all the help that you can get. And the nurses are great. Um, the most, the couple that we had, they're pretty knowledgeable about breastfeeding. It seemed like that's something that they were really willing to help with. Uh, that being said, the lactation consultant is, that's her job and that's what she focuses on, focuses on solely. And I thought it was really helpful to talk to her because it is painful to begin with. For me, at least it was. And it was really important for me to know that it was something that was being done normally normally, and not something I was causing more damage to because I think that's a pretty fine line because you don't know if it's painful then you don't know if it's something that's causing harm or something that's you're just going to have to get through and it turns out in my case it was just something I had to get through but it, all the tips and everything that they gave you were super helpful and that's how you're going to spend most of his awake time in the next month so so the next episode, we're going to definitely talk about what it's been like to have Asher in the house for the first week, first two, three weeks, whatever it is, we're going to record next week or the week after and kind of talk about those kind of things, struggles, struggles about sleeping and breastfeeding and, and just tips Pros and things. and cons. Yeah, things like that. But um, I don't know, Leah, did you have any last minute tips or things like that to add into birth or breastfeeding or not breastfeeding uh birth or hospitals uh one thing i saw a nurse video say they said don't bring your bloppy your uh breastfeeding pillow i wish i had brought mine that was the thing that I was that thinking. was the thing that you were thinking of yeah but other than that i didn't other people are different bring clothes just in case you want to change but we didn't put asher in any clothes until we literally were leaving and i didn't put on any clothes until we were literally leaving because he, you get checked, like Cole said, it's not a place that you rest. They come in and check you to begin with every two hours and then four hours and six hours and eight hours. So you're getting checked your vitals and especially him. They have to put the, the, they have to check his heart rate and his lungs and everything. So you don't want them having to take him in and out of his clothes every two hours. Just leave him in his swaddle. Yeah. But yeah. 
that was it. Okay. It was crazy. It was crazy. I'm glad it's over. Yeah. Cole and I wanted four kids after we had the hospital that night. He says, I think we'll be good with two kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, so last question before we hang it up. But now that you've been through it and you went through it the way, I know I've asked you this before, but not on the podcast. So if you could do it again today or in a year with another kid, do you think you would still do it the same way you did or with the same goals of not using an epidural and try to do it the same way you did today? Or uh, last week? Yes. Because afterwards it was already hard to function and to get around. And I can't imagine what that would have looked like with an epidural. But people do it all the time, so I'm sure it's not that bad. But Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Yeah. Just something for me to be prepared for, mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe for Cole's sake, I'll need to. <laughs> yeah. But I think if I hadn't made, if I had made more noise to begin with, you would have been more prepared. Uh, probably. You probably would have, what do you call it? Um, yeah, become. Gradually adapted by the time we got to the end to. That's true. Be fine. All right. Well, we'll talk about Asher a little more in the next one. But until then, thanks for listening if you've listened to this far. If you made it. If you made it. Say bye, Asher. He's not saying it. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.